the last week of our series called Minefields. And I got to be honest, I am so glad this series is over. I have battled during this series, man. I, I have been over this series. I've been planning this series for about the last two months. And by the first week of the series, I was done with the series. I know anytime I talk about a new subject, I can always tell if it's a subject the church is battling with by how when I'm in the middle of the series, how bad I battle with that individual topic. And I tell you, man, I have battled in my mind in the last month probably more than I have battled in years. But I got to be honest, the feedback from you have been awesome. The private messages, the emails. I'm glad that some of you are able to take the principles that we're talking about and putting them into action. Because make no mistake about it, the course of your life, the direction of your life will go as your mind goes. We underestimate the power of the mind. And we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. The first week, we simply laid a foundation and we talked about the power of the mind. And we said that most of life's battles are won in the mind. They're one with your thought process. It can be going through the hardest times in your life and your thought process will dictate how or when or where you come out on the other side. The second week of the series, we talked about defeating that negative mindset. And we said you'll never have a positive life with a negative mindset. Last week, we talked about the subject of having an anxious mind, an anxiety ridden mind. And we talked about that to be anxious is very simply at its root, not trusting Christ to be who he says he is. To be anxious, to be anxiety filled. And it's a natural thing. I get it. I understand it. We went to Universal this week. I took all the kids to Universal. Here's the deal. I am 40 something years old and I am too fat and too old to ride roller coasters. I don't enjoy roller coasters. I don't enjoy heights. But my son is a senior, and the other ones are getting bigger, and I'm doing all I can to make memories with them. And I decided, man, we're going to Universal, and we had a blast, and we are going to ride roller coasters, and I'm going to have a blast. And I got in line for the first roller coaster. And immediately the anxiety set in. Luke, who's 10, is like, Dad, are you so excited? I'm like, quit talking. It's me. Christine's like, don't ruin the trust. I'm just, I'm not. I'm getting focused. So we get on the roller coaster, the what's it called, babe? The Velocicoaster. She's gone. The Velocicoaster, I don't know, some Jurassic Park thing. And man, I, I, I like, I get panicky. I, I don't, for some reason, I don't think the lock's going to hold me in place. I'm like, I'm like, is it good? It's good. I'm pulling on it and I'm holding on to it and I can just see the white of my knuckles. And this thing takes off like a bat out of hell. And then suddenly, it's over. And Christine's like, did you enjoy it? And Luke said, I think he passed out. And she's like, what? I don't remember anything. Luke said he looked over, my whole body was limp. My hands were limp, my face was down. I was slobbering all over myself. And I guess, I don't know that I passed out. I woke up before we stopped. But I guess I passed out on the first ride. You know why? Because mentally I had psyched myself up to pass out. I finally got over it about halfway through the first day. I said, I can't do this the whole time. And I'm not trying to be funny here. I decided I'm going to ride this ride. It's going to be a blast. Everyone is having a blast. I mean, this 450-pound woman in front of me is having a blast. If she can have, no offense to 450-pound women, but I'm like, if she can get on this roller coaster and she's 87 years old and 450 pounds and rolled up on a scooter, I'm Gary freaking Lamb. I can ride this roller coaster. So we're on the hook, and I'm like, I'm riding the roller coaster. I'm pumped up. And we get to the front, and they're like, row one. I said, no. <laughs> and like the lady didn't hear me. So I'm trying to make eye contact with the kids who are in row two and three to give them the look like, hey, switch with me. They're ignoring me. They're scared to death for me. They're mouthing to Christine as I'm in the front row. But I had a positive attitude all the way up to this point. We ride the Hulk. We get off. I decide to us, I'm leaving my eyes open. I leave my eyes open. 
And I get off the roller coaster and I have a blast riding the roller coaster. It was no different than the one that I passed out on. The only difference was my mindset going into the roller coaster. That's the power of the mind. We pre-program our mind that we're not going to have fun. We pre-program our mind that we're not going to enjoy what's going on. And we underestimate as our mind goes, therefore our life goes. And today we're wrapping up this series with what I believe is one of the biggest mental battles that some of us face. Very simply, the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. I don't know a human alive who's not chasing happiness. I don't know anybody in life who doesn't want to be happy. Nobody wakes up and says, today I'm going to be anxiety-filled. Today I'm going to be depressed. Today I'm going to be angry. Today I'm going to be sad. We wake up each and every day and we set out with the mindset to be happy. But as our mind goes, we go. And as our day goes on and things get thrown at us, we allow circumstances to dictate our happiness. Another example from Universal, I found it amazing that when we got to Universal, we would get there and everybody's in line. And boy, all the families are happy. The dad's smiling and the moms are smiling. And then you got that sorry sap spineless husband whose wife made him wear matching outfits and they're all in matching shirts and like this big bad dude's in his matching shirt. He's smiling about it. He's like, I have a matching shirt and I look stupid, but he's jacked up about it. Why? Because they're at Universal. They've saved up and they've taken the family and before they get in the park, the way they are visualizing everything is amazing. And then the park closes and everyone's leaving and kids are screaming and they're crying, and dads are pulling them because they've been dealing with their bratty, ungrateful kids all day. Christine says she went in the bathroom, and there was a mom holding the sink saying, two more hours, two more hours, two more hours. Very quickly, the situation changed. Kids being kids, and we live in a day and time where it doesn't seem like, if you ever want to see the outcome of not disciplining your kids, go to an amusement park. It's mind-boggling to me. And the circumstances dictate their happiness. You'd be in line for the ride and everything is so technical and computerized nowadays and something would go wrong and they would have to delay the ride. Now think about it. You're in Harry Potter world. You're surrounded by every... I don't know anything about Harry Potter, but it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. You're inside of a castle and everything around you has immersed you in this, but now you're delayed 15 minutes, and suddenly everybody's attitude would change. It's ridiculous. It's just stupid. I'm thinking to myself, we're in a castle. I could be at work right now, but I'm in a castle making memories with my kids, and I'm going to let 15 minutes dictate my mindset and my happiness, but you would watch people's attitudes change immediately. It's February in Orlando and it's 90 degrees outside and people are complaining that it's hot. Had it been 60 degrees, they'd have been complaining that it was cold. We allow our happiness to be dictated by what's going on around us. The pursuit of happiness, you've heard me say this before, I find it amazing in the Constitution. We're promised life, we're promised liberty, but we're only promised the pursuit of happiness. Life, we got you covered. Liberty, we got you covered. But happiness, that's on you. We're going to give you the opportunity to pursue whatever happiness looks like to you, but it's different for each and every person. That's why we've got to get our mind right when it comes to that. Because for so many of us, happiness starts in the physical instead of the mental. Happiness starts with what kind of car we drive and what kind of clothes we wear. How our spouse is acting today or how much money's in the bank. But the reality is life is not always going to go like we want it to go. 
can we find happiness in those times? If you're depending on the physical to make you happy, you're going to find yourself lacking. My happiness comes from nobody but my mental state and when I'm focused on Christ. It's not Christine's job to make me happy. It's not my job to make her happy. I remember when I used to say, man, if I just had X amount of dollars in the bank, man, I'll be good and happy. And I had X amount of dollars, and it was like, man, I need X amount of dollars. I think I've shared with you this before. My previous church, it grew very, very quickly. And I remember telling the, the crew that I had around me, my team, hey, hey, we'll celebrate when we have 250 people in a service. And a month in, we had 250 people. And they're like, man, I said, no, 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 no. We'll celebrate when we have 500 in a service. And we get to 500. I bet, no, 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 we're not resting. We'll celebrate when we get to 1,000. Then it was 1,500. And then it was 3,000. And on Easter, we had over 3,000 people. I'm like, no, 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 we'll celebrate when we get to 5,000. It's never good enough. Because the goalposts kept moving on what determined my happiness. And so many of us are looking to the wrong things. We look everywhere for happiness. We look to our job for happiness. We look to our finances for happiness. We look to good times for happiness. Our children for happiness. Our spouse for happiness. Our friends for happiness. You name it. And there's people who are looking towards it for happiness. I know some people who who don't find happiness in their day until they're able to sit down and have that drink for the first time. And they think they're happy. Liquid made me happy. All these things. We live in the greatest nation in the world, and if you don't believe that, look what's going on around the world. Even those of us by American standards who maybe have less are still some of the most blessed people in the world. Yet it seems like we're some of the unhappiest people in the world. Because we look to things to make us happy. Something as simple as the weather can dictate our happiness. People came in this morning, I didn't want to come to church today. I get it, I didn't want to come to church today. I ate like crap all week. Ran around all week. Like the older you, like my back, like I didn't even know parts of my back had hurt from those roller coasters. I went to put on my blue jeans this week, but after eating about three and a half pizzas this week, they didn't want a button. I said, we're preaching in nylon pants today. It's Action Church. The problem with that is, here's the problem with Action Church. I'm going to be real careful how I say this, and I want you to hear my heart. Normally, I can show up in some nylon pants and know, like, it's Action Church. I'm the best dressed still there. But we've gone through this metamorphosis over the last few months where we've become less white. Now i got Quincy out here show. Stand up. Stand up. You don't come looking better than the preacher. Got the kicks on. and the... You start getting black folks up in your church, man. That preacher got to raise the way he dresses. Y'all going to see it here soon. I'm about to have to show y'all. Listen. I get it, man. The weather can mess with you sometimes. Things can dictate our happiness, but the reality is happiness starts in our mind. Let me tell you something today. You may disagree with me today, and that's okay, you'll be wrong. Happiness is 100% a choice. You decide whether to be happy, whether to be angry, whether to be sad, whether to be depressed. Happiness is a choice. We've allowed people, things, circumstances to dictate our level of happiness. We're depending on others and other things and possessions and emotions. And therein lies the problem. We're going to go full circle today, and we're going to go back to Paul, where we were the first week of the series. If you missed any of those messages, you can go to your podcast app on your phone, go to actionchurch.tv, and download those messages for free. But I love 
Acts 26, Paul's in prison. He's been beaten. He's been accused of pushing the gospel of Christ. And the penalty for that is execution. He's before the king in this passage of Scripture. And he gets a chance to defend himself. The Bible says in Acts 26, then Agrippa, that's the king, said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. He said, King, I think myself happy. I stand before you knowing that I'm probably going to be executed for the crime that I'm charged with. You have beaten me. You have spat on me. You have taken everything away from me. You have separated me from those that I love. But I just decided, guess what, king? You won't take my joy. You won't take my happiness. I got up this morning knowing that I will get to answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused. And I've just decided, king, though I I have every reason not to be happy, I think myself happy. I decide to be happy. I'm making the choice to be happy. I'm taking control of my life today, King, and I think myself happy. You expect me to be whining. You expect me to be crying. You expect me to be begging for my life. You expect me to be feeling sorry for myself. You expect me to be justifying. But I just decided, hey, I'm going to thank myself happy. Are you awake today? The problem with some of you, the problem with all of you is none of you even got it that bad and you choose to be sad. You choose to be upset. You choose to be angry. You choose to be sad. You choose to be depressed instead of making the decision to be happy. It's easier to be sad. It's easier to feel sorry for ourselves. And now we have social media where we can, where we can post some passive aggressive post where we don't tell all the details and get hundreds of comments where people are just enabling us in our sadness. Oh, what's wrong? Oh, you got this, boo. You can do this. Feeding into it. Because misery loves company. Happiness starts in the mind. I mean, think about this verse. He's on trial, beaten, thrown in prison, cut off. And now he's about to be executed if the trial goes wrong. Yet he's given the opportunity to speak and he wants the king to know, listen, I think myself happy. I've decided today that I'm not going to worry about the circumstances that are going on around me. I'm going to instead worry about what God's doing in me. And we're about to see that God was doing some amazing things. His happiness wasn't dictated by his circumstances, but by his mindset. He had the testicular fortitude. That's nuts if you live in Pickens County. He had the testicular fortitude to take control of his mindset and decide, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be a person of joy. <laughs> it shouldn't come as a surprise. If you know anything about Paul later on, he writes an entire book of the Bible based on happiness. Four chapters to the Church of Philippi, the book of Philippians. Even in the midst of when he shouldn't have been happy, and we'll get to that in a minute, he pens a book that's all about being happy. Based on our logic for happiness, you would think he wrote that book in a happy place. If you were to read the book of Philippians, you would think Paul set up in a bubble bath. Thank God for bubble baths. I took one last night when I got home. Bubble, I was sore. Beat up. Sore. But I pictured Paul writing the book of Philippians, and he's in a bubble bath, and he's got a basket full of puppies beside him. Not kittens, because that would be horrible. That'd be from the pits of hell. 
He's sipping on some good bourbon, popping some grapes. Or maybe he's on a hillside full of tulips. And I picture him writing the book of Philippians. After some great spiritual victory, after some successful time in his life. But none of those places where he wrote that book. The happiest book in all the Bible, the book of joy, they call it. The book of Philippians was written in a jail cell. For about a 10-year period leading up to Paul's death, he was in and out of prison for preaching the message of Jesus. Scholars believe at the time the book of Philippians was written, he had been in that jail cell for four years. Think about that for a minute. There's been some of you that have done some time overnight. Not many of you here have done four years. And jail there didn't look like jail here. (laughs) There was no windows, no bed, no table, no chair. It was a deep stone cave with only a small opening at the top that they could drop food down to him. And for four years, that's where he was. And yet he began to pen this book of the Bible inspired by God, the church of Philippi, and he begins over and over and over to talk about the joy he's experiencing, the happiness that he's experiencing. In an environment of jail, in a cage, in four short chapters, he uses the word rejoice 11 times and the the word joy five times, 17 references to happiness sitting in a jail cell. Paul knew that his happiness wasn't dictated on his circumstances. He knew his happiness wasn't dictated on on what was going on in his life, but yet again, like I said, what God was doing in his life. We hung out here briefly the first week of the series, but we're going to get deep today and we're going to break it down. And I'm going to show you how you can have a mindset of happiness no matter your circumstances. Because let me give you some encouraging news today. Let me uplift you today. There's going to be times life sucks. There's going to be times that life is not good. There's going to be times that life doesn't go how you imagine it would go. There's going to be times that those that are closest to you hurt you, sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. There's going to be times that, man, you think you're rocking and rolling and your business is going good or your job's going good and something's going to happen that's taken all away from you. It just happens. Life can suck at times. And during those times, you can either embrace the suck or you can let the suck embrace you. You can decide during those times to fall apart or you can decide in those times to stand up. You can decide in those times to allow your circumstances to dictate your emotions or you can choose to think yourself happy, which is exactly what Paul did. Verse 1, look what it says, or verse 12, excuse me, chapter 1. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, let's stop right there, I love this. He's in prison, four years in prison, and he starts off with some pleasantries. He's wanting to set the record straight, if you will. He says, I want to let you know something. He said, I know you've probably heard some things. I don't know what it is you've heard. But you know I'm here in prison and I'm awaiting execution. So maybe you've heard I'm frustrated. Maybe you've heard I'm defeated. Maybe you've heard I'm beat down. Maybe you've heard I'm physically not able to go on anymore. So before we go any further, let's set the record straight. Sometimes in life, you've got to set the record straight. Because if you don't tell the story, they'll tell the story. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, let's stop again. We're going to get through it. I hope the crock pot was on low today, though. Because i got to set this up for you before I even give you the way to choose to be happy. I need you to know that what has happened to me. What's happened to him? He's in prison, Gary. No, 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 no. He's in prison at this moment. 
Let's look at all that's happened to them before this. Look at the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. It says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. He says, I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and I have faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. You think you got it bad? Now, we're in a weird time in our country where, as a country, we're feeling a little grateful right now as we see what's going on in the Ukraine. And that's a good thing. It reminds us how good we got it. But the problem is, the minute that comes off TV, we'll go back to feeling sorry for ourselves. He says, five different times, they whipped me 39 times. You think you got it bad? He said, I've been whipped harder. I've been put in prison more five different times with 39 lashes. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now, let me clarify that action, church. Stoned. Not what you're thinking. You're thinking, I get stoned too if all that happened to me. No, 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 no. He means they set him off there and they threw rocks at him over and over and over. Bam, bam, bam. It's getting stoned to a whole nother level. He said, once I was stoned. I don't really get this because I think I would get off a ship after this, but he said, three times I was shipwrecked. You talk about bad luck. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at the sea. He spent 24 hours floating in the sea. He said, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people. Boy, no one will go after you like your own people. Mm. Well, you could just camp out here. I have faced danger from my own people. The Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities and the deserts. And the city. He said, listen, it don't matter if I'm in the urban area or the rural area. I face danger. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers. Woo! The dirtiest are those that came to claim to be believers. And no army shoot its own like the Christian army. But are not. I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. He said, I have been hungry. I have been thirsty. I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Go back to that verse 12, Philippians 12, Xander. He said, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what happened to him a lot. What's happened to him so much is that most of us would have walked away from God before it ever got to that point. Maybe myself included. I get a kick out of everybody on Facebook right now. Everybody's an internet warrior right now. Boy, if they came up in our country, I know what I, you don't know what you would be doing. Those of you that are talking the most about what you're doing will be the ones in the corner sucking your thumb, probably. I'd like to say, man, if I was Paul and I'd been through all this, I'd keep going, but I don't know. I might be like, hey, deuces, man, this ain't for me. He said, but I want you to know, bro, since all that's happened to me, being beaten, stoned, thrown in prison, shipwrecked, all of it, all of it is actually served to advance the gospel. That's powerful. That's the power of purpose. Paul knew his purpose in life. So it didn't go the way he would determine it to go. It would not go the way he would have written for it to go the way it was going. He saw the big picture and realized he was advancing the gospel through this. He said, hey, what's happened to me is okay. What has happened to me is fine. I'm fine. You would expect me to be down. But because the gospel is advancing, I'm fine with it. Yes, I've been thrown in prison. But guess what? Being thrown in prison is helping me advance the gospel. What happened to me, what has happened to me sucks. It's painful. It's hard. It's unfair. But because I'm doing what God has called me to do, Christ is being made known throughout everywhere. He said the gospel is advancing. That's a powerful mindset. It's a mindset that looks at the big picture. He says, that result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else. This is where we were the first week in the series. And everyone else, and I'm in chains for Christ. 
And because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord, and they're all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. (laughs) Paul's been through hell and back. He's been dropped off at the gates of hell and told to crawl back, and he's done it not one time, not two times, not three times, but over and over and over again, where most of us would have just given up. Paul says, man, I see the big picture. I see that the gospel is advancing. What was wired in Paul? Was was Paul a better person than you and me? No, 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 no. Paul just had control of his mind. He determined that he would dictate his mindset. His mindset allowed him to see the good when everyone else would see the bad. Before we get to how Paul found his happiness, I want to ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. What's stealing your happiness? What's stealing your joy? Because i got to be honest with you, I love you. But some of you are some miserable folks. And some of you have been miserable since the day I met you. So it's not circumstances this week that have you miserable. It's life in general that has you miserable. You could be sitting on the beach 90 degrees with the waves crashing around your feet and you'd find a reason to gripe. What's still in your joy? Why deep at your core can't you be happy? You can go home every day to a roof over your head, a car in your driveway, and food on your table, and a family who loves you and find a reason to complain about it. Deep at the heart of the issue, what's still in your joy? You need to know that because that's how we're going to, we're going to, Fight that today. I'm going to give you a mindset change. And then guess what you're going to do with what I give you? You're going to make the decision whether to do it or not. And here's the reality. 90% of you will do nothing with it. You'll stay miserable. You'll explain away, well, that works for other people, but Gary doesn't know my circumstances. Let me make this very clear to you. I don't care about your circumstances. I say that lovingly as a pastor. I don't need to hear your circumstances because I don't care about them. I know that this book works, that the principles in this book work. And I know the same joy that Paul found, you can find it might not always be easy. Paul said later on in the scripture, he said, I die daily. He talked about a thorn in the flesh. The Bible never tells us what that thorn in the flesh was, but he knew every day I have to get up and I have to fight that hurt. I have to fight that habit. I have to fight that hang up. I will fight it every day. He said, I die daily to myself and I surrender to Christ. The choice to be happiness starts every single day when you open your eyes and you realize the good Lord gave you another day on this side of heaven. What's still in your joy today? I'm in a loveless marriage. I receive no attention, no affection. I, I bet that sucks. I'm, I, I'm not minimizing it. I wish you could be in a love-filled marriage. I wish you could get all the affection and all the whatever it is you need. But it's not your spouse's job to make you happy. Maybe you have children who are rebellious and making horrible choices. Welcome to parenthood. If my happiness depended on whether or not my kids were doing right, I got four of them. There's never been a time in my life where all four of them were doing right. I don't know that there ever will be. I get one back on the right track, this one gets off the right track. The one I think will never mess up, messes up all the time. stealing you of your joy. Maybe you're dealing with a physical ailment. I get it. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. It's one of the things I've been kind of blessed with. I don't have physical, I don't wake up every day in pain. I don't wake up every day with a, with a virus or a sickness. I don't know what that's like. Maybe it's not even you. Maybe it's just someone close to you. Maybe you're imprisoned in a financial mess. Visa and MasterCard rob you of your joy every single month. 
You have no one to blame but yourself. But you made your bed and it's robbing you of your joy. Paul was put in prison for his faith. I don't know what your circumstances are today. But I know this were not the decisions we made yesterday. We're the choices we make today. And you can choose in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the habits controlling our life, in the midst of the hangups destroying us or trying to destroy us, you can choose to be happy. Happiness, we're all pursuing it, but we refuse to do what's necessary to be happy. I don't know what it is today that's robbing you of your happiness and your joy and being able to rejoice, but I know whether it's self-inflicted or not self-inflicted. If your mind is right, you can get through it with joy. In prison amongst the beatings, Paul learned something that enabled him to have joy. He learned something that enabled him to have true happiness. Shackled to the cold prison floor with a royal guard next to him. 24 hours a day. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. If you're taking notes, write this down, snap a picture on your phone. Our happiness has nothing to do with what is happening to us. But everything to do with what God is doing in us and through us. Our happiness has nothing to do with what is happening to us. Because circumstances can change on a dime. And if you allow your joy and your happiness to be based on circumstances, then you're going to be on the roller coaster of life and what a miserable place to be. Because the problem with the roller coaster of life is most of us get off at the bottom. I rode every ride at Universal but one. What's the ride I wouldn't ride? The stupid ride, I don't know. It starts like this. I'm not getting on that stupid ride. God doesn't want me, boom, like that, up seven flights. No. And I sure ain't getting off the ride up there. I'm getting off down here. If that thing was to break down at the top of that hill, that I'm staying. If it takes them a week to get it back around, I'm sitting in that seat, strapped in for a week. I'm not getting all. I was watching it as they were doing it. I was like, man, I see they got a ladder to get down. That's just how my mind thinks, man. I'm a worrier sometimes. I'm like, that thing breaks down. You got to walk down all them steps. I am not walking down those steps. I ain't doing it. Now, if it breaks down at the bottom, I'm hopping out quick, even if they don't give me permission. It's the problem with the roller coaster. We get off at the bottom. When you get off at the bottom, you stay at the bottom and never experience the exhilaration of the top. Our happiness has nothing to do with what's happening to us, but has everything to do with what God is doing in us and through us. We don't understand is when we're going through times that we seem like are stealing our joy, that's when God's working in us. We're stubborn. When we got it all together, it's hard to listen to God. Sometimes God's got to bring you so low, you've got no choice but to look up. Man. That's good news today. Paul said, I don't have to find joy in where I am. I'm in prison. But I'm going to find happiness. I'm going to find joy in what God's doing through me and what God's doing in me. He said, I'm going to think myself happy. Yes, I'm in prison. Ah, but now I've got a captive audience. The royal guard, the highest of the high, sit next to me, guarding me. Guess what they get every day? They would work an eight-hour shift. He said, they get to hear about Jesus. Every time they bring me food, guess what those people get to hear about? They get to hear about Jesus. When I go before the king, I'm going to thank myself happy and let him know about Jesus. You look at it as a negative. I look at it as I'm getting to talk to the elite. And as I win the influencers over, they begin to influence others. And because I'm in prison, all the other Christians are hearing about me and what I'm doing, and they're on the outside, and they're saying, man, if Paul can do that in prison, how much more can we do it on the outside? And the gospel is being spread. There's power in that. Paul's responding to the suffering he's going through, not feeling sorry for himself, but by taking the opportunity to preach Jesus. Paul couldn't change his circumstances, but he could change how his mindset was about those circumstances. That's good news today. Listen, listen, listen. 
He could change his mindset on the circumstances. And by changing his mindset on the circumstances, he changed his outlook on the circumstances. And by changing his outlook on the circumstances, he changed the course of his life. That's the power of the mind. You don't have to wait for your circumstances to change to find joy. You don't have to wait for the bills to be paid to be happy. Thank God. I sit back sometimes and think about when all my bills will be paid. I'll have been dead 20 years. If I'm waiting on being debt free to be happy, man, I'm going to be waiting a long time. I'm not waiting for that job offer to come through to have happiness. I'm not waiting for my spouse. I love my spouse, but listen, my happiness doesn't come from her. She can be, I'm not saying she is, so let me clarify. She can be the most miserable person in the world, and I can still be happy. Flip that, because about once a year, I'm in a bad mood. It happens. I'm not perfect. Once a year, for about an hour. So that one hour, she can still be happy even though I'm in a mood. You don't got to wait for your children to start acting right. You don't got to have a nicer car. You don't got to have nicer clothes. You don't got to have a bigger house, man. You're looking at all the things the world looks at for happiness. If I just had, no, 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 no. You can have happiness right where you are. Because your happiness is not determined by what is happening to you but what Christ is doing through you, it's simply a mind shift. In my darkest hours of my life by the world's standards, I impacted more people's life during that time than all the years before. Because at that time, everybody was watching. They were waiting for me to walk away. I got in the business world. I, I impact more people for the gospel in the business world than I've ever done as a pastor. Pastors are insulated in what I like to call the little Christian ghetto. Most pastors wouldn't know what to do in the real world. I'm in this little pastor thing. I had invited to teach this group of pastors. <laughs> it's the craziest thing ever. Once a month, I get online. They're all in this room, and I just scream and holler at them. Like I, so every day, there's a different teacher that goes. So I watch the other teachers and. it's cool. Let me give you five steps on how to make your Sunday school bigger. And, you know, and hey, here's here's a way to counsel people. I just get on there and scream at them. I tell them how worthless they are and how big of idiots they are. Like you'll see them in the comics and he he just cuss. Like I I cuss them out. I tell them that they're so irrelevant. I thought after the first time the guy would never have me back ever again. I, I, I mean, they're so insulated. Like some of the questions I get just blow my mind. How, if you want to paint the church, how do you how do you get everybody behind that? Shut up! Guy drive me crazy. What I said? How do I meet people in the community? You stupid idiot! How do you meet people in the community? Get active in your community. Live. Go out to eat. Go to the gym. Meet your neighbors. Thank God for a wife who likes people. She meets the neighbors and tells me about them. It's amazing. Like they're, they're, they're the biggest bunch of idiots. Get off the golf course. Or at least get on the golf course so people don't go to church. Go hang out at the brewery. Do life with people. I'm sidetracked right now, but. Man, just amazing. The darkest days of my life were some of the most beneficial to me as far as impacting people's lives. Some of you are in a bad place today. The encouraging thing for those of you who aren't in a bad place, here's my encouragement to you today. You will be soon. Because life happens. How do you find joy in jail? First thing we're going to do is you're going to accept the process. Accept the process. Sometimes life sucks. 
There's nothing you can do about it. No amount of changing things, no amount of having a bad attitude about it, no amount of wishing and whining and complaining is going to change your circumstances. Sometimes you just have to embrace the suck. Accept the process. In the original language, if you were to break that down in the Greek, it means embrace the suck. Sometimes life sucks. Sometimes you lose your job. Sometimes your spouse hurts you. Sometimes you hurt your spouse. Sometimes those that are closest to you get sick. I'm not minimizing it, but I'm just telling you that when life's going bad, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to accept the process. One of the things to me that's amazing about Paul is here he is in freaking prison. He's just got his teeth kicked in, and yet you see no whining. You see no feeling sorry for himself. You see no crying the blues. He understood the process. He realized that God was getting ready in the midst of the suck to do something spectacular. Paul realized, listen, something that the church in America would do really good to realize. Sometimes you're going to go through hard times. Let me tell you the biggest lie the church in our country preaches. Have a relationship with Christ and it'll be all great. Now I see a book where it says we'll suffer. That there'll be times that we'll be attacked. Let me encourage you again today. You and I will suffer. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. I find it disheartening that the American church has moved away from the message of suffering and replaced it with the world's view of success. Wealth plus health equals happiness. If God's plans for you were only to prosper you, then every one of us here would be rich. We'd have more than enough money to pay our bills. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? It says he wasn't born to a rich family, he was born to a poor family. He worked a common job for 30 years, spent three years in misery, was flat broke, homeless, sometimes hungry. The Bible says he had no place to lay his head. When it came to time to pay his taxes, like some of us, he didn't have the money to do it. Yet the preachers that get up and talk about, man, God wants to bless you. Make so a seed. Put it on your credit card if you don't have it, and God's going to bless you with so much money. What a lie. What a lie. Televangelist says, God wants you to have great relationships. God wants you to have great relationships. He wants you to be a total victor, a winner. Let me give you a reality check. All your relationships will not be good. And you know what? As I read about Jesus, his family disowned him. His friends abandoned him. Judas betrayed him. Oh, by the way, every one of you got a Judas in your life and he's close enough to break bread with you. Jesus was betrayed. Why wouldn't we be betrayed? (laughs) The crowd screamed, crucify him. Guess what? If the crowd's against you, it's a real good chance you're on the right track. I start to get worried when no one's criticizing me. I'll go to Chris and be like, man, I ain't anybody criticizing me. That must be on the wrong path. Got to stir it up a little bit. It seems as I study the life of Jesus, he dealt with relation, relational strain. God doesn't want you to have pain. I hear preachers talk. If you're sick, it's because you don't have faith. God. I see a Savior who suffered all kinds of physical pain. Some of you have constant, chronic physical pain. Christ was beaten. His beard plucked. Crown of thorns put on his head. He was beaten, whipped. Then literally, almost death. And then he was crucified, nailed to a Roman crossbar between two thieves. Guess what that is? That's pain. So don't tell me in this world you're not going to have pain. <laughs> Heard a preacher on my way home yesterday. I stuck my AirPod in, was listening. Everybody was sleeping. First words out of his mouth. Oh, God doesn't want you to be a victim. He wants you to be a victor. Sometimes in life you're going to be victimized. It happens. Some of you there, you know what I'm talking about. You've been abandoned, raped, beaten, molested, abused, neglected, hated, despised, betrayed. Sometimes, sometimes 
we're going to be victimized. It happens all the time. Jesus had false accusations thrown against him, false witnesses, a false trial, false condemnation, a false execution. Sometimes you're not the victor, you're the victim. Sometimes the victim is what enables you to eventually become the victor. Had there been no crucifixion, there would have been no resurrection. (laughs) If you know God, you won't have anxiety, you won't have depression. If you really trust God, you'll be fine. That's funny because I read about Jesus. The night before he was crucified, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, so stressed he couldn't even sleep. His stress level was so high, he asked God to take it from him. And the Bible says he began to sweat blood from the anxiety that he had. Here's my point. Sometimes you have to embrace the suck. A relationship with Jesus Christ isn't all lollipops. It's not all cotton candy. It's not all frolicking a field of unicorns as they fart out bubbles. That's not life. But man, that's the preachers that we praise, that we watch on TV. Man, God loves you. Let me start today with a little funny joke. And God just wants you to be a victor today and not be a victim. And I remember the time that I was in my mansion. Shut up! That's what's wrong with the church today. That's what's wrong with our country today. As the church goes, the country goes. Why wouldn't the country be soft when the church is soft? We've forgotten that in this world we will have trouble. Accept the process. Life sucks. Had a friend while we were on vacation, I haven't talked to him in years, messaged me and said, man, my marriage is over after 32 years. His fault. But it sucks, even though it's his fault. Been there. First response, I said, I'm so sorry. How are the kids? Got four kids. All grown. They won't talk to me. Yeah. He said, what do I do? I said, you accept the process. Right now, you're going to be the bad guy. Don't convince them otherwise. Don't make excuses for your behavior. Don't justify your behavior. Do not turn this back on their mother. Man up and accept the suck. Embrace the suck and you will get through it. Sometimes life sucks. Paul knew this. Sometimes hard times are unavoidable. Paul knew this and he accepted the process. And he realized that his happiness couldn't be dependent on the circumstances. There's only two chapters in this book where everything was good. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. And I ain't going to say it's the women's fault, but I'm just saying they ate the fruit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just kidding, ladies, I promise. I mean, think about it. You know Adam had to be the hottest dude ever made. He was the first dude ever made. And Eve had to be the hottest chick ever made. She was the first. And they're getting to walk around naked. Literally get to frolic with animals. Eat stuff. I mean, life was good. And even when life's that good, we screw it up. Accept the process. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to gain perspective in our suffering. You're going to sit back and look what you're going through, and you're going to begin to gain perspective in it. He said, because of my chains, because I'm in prison, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. They say hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's true. Sometimes we look back on the darkest days of our life and we can see the lessons that were taught to us during that time. Imagine if we could stop in the midst of it and gain perspective in the middle of it. Paul said, man, because I'm in prison, all those out there are spreading the faith even more. Let me put that in perspective. Again, going back to what's going on in our world, seems like patriotism is at all-time high right now. Why? Because we're watching the Ukrainians stand up and fight for their country. All of a sudden, we're like, oh, man, proud of my country. I would do the same for my country. 
He said, man, because they see what I'm doing here and I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. Now they're out spreading the gospel. I'm only one man. If I was free, I'd be the only one spreading the gospel because I'm in prison. They're all motivated. There's thousands of them out spreading the gospel. Thousands are better than one. He gained some perspective in the midst of it. Sometimes you've got to step back, and this is hard. Sometimes you've got to step back, breathe, and look at the big picture. Sometimes you can't see the forest for the tree. You've got to step back. I love when people, everybody's got these drones now, and they get a drone, and they go up high, and all of a sudden you see everything. Sometimes at my festivals, people will afterwards send me drone footage, and I'm like, holy smokes, I didn't realize it was that big of an area, and there was that many people there, because I'm in the midst of it at that time. I can't see all of it. You've got to gain perspective in the middle of it. I don't know why my marriage is going like this right now, but let me gain some perspective. I don't know what's going on with my kids. I don't know what's going on with my finances. I don't know what's going on over here, but I've got to stop back. I don't know why I'm dealing with this sickness, but let me step back. <sighs> Disengage from my emotions for a minute and gain perspective. It's a mindset shift. Third thing we're going to do, I'm going to get us out of here, I promise. We're going to discover God's purpose. In the midst of your suffering, there's a purpose. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. I don't know what it is, but there's a purpose. There's a purpose in your sickness. There's a purpose in your heartbreak. There's a purpose in your financial strain. I don't know what it is. But when you step back and get perspective, you begin to learn the purpose. I love this. God has a purpose in it. Paul, I said this the first week, so I'm going to go. Paul had always wanted to go to Rome. Rome was like New York City. Paul knew if I go to Rome and I preach the gospel... There will be such an influential city, the gospel will spread all over the world. He begged God over and over and over and over to let him go to Rome and preach the gospel. Instead, he ends up in prison in Rome. He doesn't get to preach to the masses, but he gets to preach to the influencers. You don't think that guard that was stationed next to him every day heard about Jesus? The king heard about Jesus. The Bible says word began to spread throughout the palace that Paul was in prison for his suffering. We said, and because of my chains, many of the brothers and sisters become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here in the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, so when they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that every way, whether from false motives or not, Christ is preached. And because of this, I'll rejoice. And I'll continue to rejoice. Paul said, I'm in prison. And now people, some of them are preaching motives out of selfish motives. I don't care, they're preaching Jesus. Paul was able to find happiness in his circumstances because instead of focusing on his problem, he focused on his purpose, and his purpose was to spread the gospel. I'm sure in his flesh, he'd have rather been on a stage in front of thousands of people preaching Jesus. But he's impacting. I wonder how those guards felt when they're sitting next to him. They're like, man, this guy should be defeated. He should be downtrodden. He's over here telling me about this guy named Jesus. Don't tell me you hear that day after day and it doesn't impact you and doesn't influence you. The world's looking for you to give up where they would give up. The world's looking for you to get negative where they would get negative. And when you do the opposite of what the world does, the world notices the problem is too many of us Christ followers look like the world. We don't fight for our children. We don't fight for our marriage. We don't fight for our dreams. We don't fight for our purposes. No matter what's known in the midst of cancer, in the midst of sickness, we're still rejoicing because God has a purpose in the middle of it. You find that purpose. And then last and I'm done, we're going to go home. We're going to realize that suffering isn't permanent. <laughs> I dig how Paul closes out this chapter. <laughs> he just realizes it's temporary. Four years in, he realizes it's temporary. He realizes the situation wasn't permanent. I'm here to tell you today, your situation's not permanent. He'd been beaten 
Yes, he was in prison, but he knew it was a temporary situation. Look what he said. He said, for me to live is Christ. He said, man, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to preach the gospel. He said, but to die is gain. He said, if they crucify me, guess what? My suffering here is over and I gain heaven. If I'm to go on living in the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me. He said, I keep on living. I'm just going to keep on preaching Jesus. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better for you. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all you for your progress and join the faith. He said, this pain's temporary. I'm here to tell you, the heartache you're dealing with today is temporary. Now, I don't want to be... It might end with death. But then we gain everything. I didn't ask for permission to do this, so I want to be real careful here. here. But John, down here, his dad just passed away. And he came out of kind of nowhere, and he's his hero. But I love seeing the stories, and when they talk, sure, man, they miss him. The other day was talking about him. But they also said, man, he gained everything. There's no more suffering. Our flesh wants him here. But he gained everything. The situation isn't permanent. It's temporary. That heartache, your wife left you, that sucks, man. I get it. Someone told me, Lobby, starting over for the fourth time in life. I said, man, that sucks. But it's a lot easier the fourth time, ain't it? Guess what? Just got in my house this weekend. Been back in church for the last month. Getting back on his feet. I was watching him on social media. I was like, man, is he going to pull out of this? And he's pulling. Does that mean the heartache's still not there? Of course it's there. But you get to living and it's temporary. Situation isn't permanent that you're going through. The heartache you're going through, strained relationship with your kid right now. I get it. I got one of those. People say, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do anything about it. I've had a strained relationship with my parents before. I believe it'll work itself out. I pray about it. I trust Christ in it. I accept the process. There's nothing I can do that will change that situation. I look for God's purpose in it. You know what God's purpose in that has been for me? is to sit back and gain perspective. Like, okay, well, man, I did a lot wrong with this oldest one. And maybe I could have done better. I'll make sure I don't make the same mistakes. It means in the midst of having tons of work, I look at Christine and say, we're taking off this week. We're going to go make some memories with the kids. And we're not going to get on the phone. I don't care if we have pictures. We're going to have memories. We're going to get all our attention. I know it's temporary. And then about time she comes back, one of the other ones will go away. It's just the way it works. I've accepted it. Life. I've lost it all. Literally in seven days. Check this out. I don't think there's anybody here that can say this. No, not in seven days. And Monday. So in two days, 48 hours. On a Saturday, I met with a group of men in my last church. Check this out. Check this out. Who looked at me going into our fifth year anniversary and gave me a $65,000 raise. It's a pretty good raise. I know some of you big ballers, it's probably not, but for me it was a big raise. I'd started a church, put everything on the line. $65,000 raise on Saturday. On Tuesday, 72 hours later, I was homeless, living in someone's basement because they had fired me. So you can go from here to here real quickly. And I wallowed in it for exactly 30 days. Say, so, hey, you know it's 30 days? Because here's how I know. 30 days, people I was staying with came and said, hey, there's a FedEx person here for you. There's a FedEx, but I think I'm still in the same clothes. Oh, I'm shaved. Been living on Little Caesar's Pizza. We'll get the FedEx package, and I go downstairs, and I rip open the FedEx package. 
And all the bills for the last month about that thick were in that package. I had the reality. I said, oh, life didn't stop because my life fell apart. Oh, they still want the electric bill paid. Oh, the credit card company, st- oh, oh, the car still needs to be paid. And I realized, man, I got to get back living. I'll never forget. I laid them down. I went in the bathroom. And I shaved. I went as fat then so I could be clean shaven. I put on clothes. I'd lost so much weight. I'll never forget. I put on a t shirt and just hung on me. Called the divorce diet. It's amazing. So you got to gain perspective in the midst of the bad. And I got after it. And life went on. And my happiness wasn't dictated on that. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I didn't learn that time. I screwed it up again. And again. (laughs) And again. And I screwed this one up again. She's just stubborn. She said, for better or for worse, you got two choices. I'll kill you. Or we can make it work. So we make it work. I like life. Life sucks sometimes. But your mindset makes it a thousand times worse. Your happiness is your choice. Let's pray.